and welcome back to the Look It Up podcast. We're your hosts, Julie. And Natalie. And this week we're talking about the ethics of AI. Um, mm. Would you say you're an optimist or a pessimist? In terms of what? In terms of technology in the future. I'm actually very excited for it. I think it will... It's it's crazy to think of like what's going to be possible within our lifetime. I'm not so much uh, worried about AI as such. I'm more worried about the companies that are using it and the kinds of things that they could do. Especially big corporations like Amazon, Google. Mm-hmm. I feel like they really have got like a chokehold on us at this point and there's not really I do I do also out. think like people who have such power, often their morals can be a bit sketchy. And if they're the ones yeah. that are overseeing instilling morals into ai i i do think that is something well, that it's might like, be quite worrying. at this point i don't know if it's possible to live your life not using google if yeah. you think of all the applications that google has its fingers in the same the same goes for amazon almost i i honestly think in like 20 years time it's not going to be possible to like live your life without of course, a gmail yeah. account of some kind i mean so. these companies own so many other companies that even if you feel like you have the illusion of choice and the illusion yeah of yeah free will it's just not the case anymore so when we talk about ai i think it's very easy to go straight to like the really big picture you know robots that act and talk like us and have consciousness but ai is fundamentally getting machines to learn and the way that you can do that is by feeding them information and giving them algorithms so that they can sort out that information and learn independently that can like progress well obviously there were like simpler input output type ais in the past but now you're right like most of them are learning machine learning deep learning algorithms stuff like that yeah i guess if we're talking about generally ethics and ai Mm. um there is this group called Future of Life Institute um, mm. set up by Max Tegmark, who wrote a book called Life 3.0, which if you any of our listeners want to find out more about you know, AI and ethics in general, I think that'd be a really good book to read. Mm-hmm. So he founded Future of Life Institute, which is a group of people, all t- different types of people, scientists, AI specialists, big business owners, anyone who, who is committed to developments of ai and the ethics Mm -hmm. involved it's almost like um, a community or network to keep a standard and to share knowledge about ai and to make sure that everyone is on the same page of what the do's and don'ts are of making ai and to make sure that it doesn't become dangerous so oh so it's like a almost like regulations but yeah informal like a code of some ways it's not completely all-encompassing in that it doesn't have like you know, it doesn't have the power to like prosecute people for not following oh, yeah, yeah. what they, but it's more like a community so that everyone is on the same page of like, what are the parameters that we should program into um, what AI can and can't do and, you mm. know, what sharing knowledge about, because essentially programming AI to, to keep AI in a state that we can still understand so that we can still monitor it is mm. something that requires programmers to sort of almost predict worst case scenarios in order to program in barriers yeah that makes sense so in order to like have this community to share the knowledge helps any science discipline not just ai to make sure they cover all bases and to make sure they have taken into account all risks involved yeah yeah i mean to prove that you don't have to be a scientist morgan freeman is part of this group 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just anyone who's interested in being involved. So we have this this institute that exists. Do you know what kind of things that they're talking about or trying to protect us from? Or like you talk about um, instilling like parameters with AI. What's even well, the point, you know? So essentially <laughs> the reason why like some robots in the past, some AI in the past has been shut down mid-experiment mm-hmm. is because humans, they've progressed beyond the limits of understanding for humans. So they have progressed in intelligence so far that we can't keep up by us not understanding and us not keeping up with what they're doing. Yeah. We can no longer monitor them. So we feel like there's no sense of control. So if, I, if I'm going to explain this in like proper terms, I'm going to have to explain how AI gets to that point in the first place. So I think I, I know of an example of like a, on a smaller scale, maybe, um, you know, AlphaGo? Fill mm, me in. So there's a, a board game called Go and it's it's supposedly the most complex board game because of just like the sheer number of probabilities so if you take chess for example just because of the number of pieces and the number of squares on the board there's a limited number of moves that you can make and Mm -hmm. just because of the way that the pieces actually move they all move like in a forward direction and anyway a go board is almost like twice as big and also the pieces can go anywhere and the nature of the game there's just uh, way more possibilities for every every move that you can make. They had yeah. the world champion play Go against uh, a computer. Mm. And for the first time, the computer won. I think it won in uh, four games out of five against this world champion Go player. The reason why it was so impressive is because the they had some of the world's best Go players then analyze the moves after the matches and they couldn't actually understand why the computer was choosing to put its pieces in the places that it did. Mm-hmm. Usually when you put pieces down, you can somehow like predict what kind of moves they were trying to make and the, the general yeah. area Arcus, of the game they were trying yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah. But they couldn't actually understand why they were putting moves in these places. And yet mm-hmm. it still won. So so that's really similar to what I was going to say. Like, um, So there's an AI called Deep Blue that beat the chess master Kasparov. The AI didn't beat him on the first try either it took Mm. three tries for the ai to beat the chess master and this worked by like letting the computer scan and learn from thousands and thousands of games i'm sure it's a similar situation so it's it's literally just about like removing human error the capacity of learning Mm. is so huge that they can store so much information in their quote-unquote brains um (laughs) careful (laughs) (laughs) so this whole that thing you brought up about how they couldn't even understand the moves that the ai was making Mm. that's something that i want to explain so it's more irrelevant to the experts than it is to us about whether ais will gain sentience or not it's almost like a possibility that they've kind of reconciled that they they might gain sentience because essentially Gaining sentience, you know Turing? Yeah, Alan Turing. Yeah, so he came up with a theory when he was working with the Enigma machine. He came up with a theory that is actually as true now as it was then, even before AI was even a thing. Um, He theorized that any machine that is an information processor can be multiplied and made to do what any other machine can do. For example, you 
get one machine that's an information processor uh-huh. so our our brain to for example yeah. and combined with something else like any machine can be added to another to make bigger computers so two computers can be comp- combined to make a bigger computer and that if our brain which is an information processor can mm-hmm. develop a consciousness and it's an emergent property of our computer then it's yeah. possible for any other computer to develop consciousness as well if under the right conditions yeah so if you're if you're basically treating our brain as a computer which it essentially is mm-hmm. and we've developed a consciousness i almost want to ask like what what are you even defining consciousness as the experts have defined consciousness as how information feels as it is being processed uh when you say feels like they're aware the information itself see this is the bit i didn't really understand but okay as information itself is being processed it becomes aware of itself being processed and has an opinion on it right so it's almost like being aware of the steps that it took to get you to an answer i think so it's the information itself that feels this is the bit that confused me because I wasn't sure Like I was like, surely it's the vessel feeling the information being processed through it. But <laughs> apparently it's the information feeling a certain type of way about being processed. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, <laughs> the information feeling a kind of way about getting processed. Yeah. Information. Uh... I mean, what I was uh, finding really interesting when I was uh, researching stuff was the idea of like is consciousness human or are humans conscious and like the difference for example things like um are feelings and emotions part of consciousness or are they part of like the human condition are they separate so if okay. we're trying to make uh, a, if we're trying to make ai completely conscious do we also need to give it uh, like pleasure and stuff so all of it this, feels like, like unnecessary, but it also feels like it's necessary for it to be human. But we yeah. don't want it to be human. We want it to be I, conscious. In, I want to explain all this, yeah. but I don't even know where to start because this is stuff <laughs> that I was I was discussing with like my friends and stuff, and they're really knowledgeable. But I just was struggling to like comprehend what they were saying. So I don't even know how to start explaining to you. So just, what I was saying before about how the experts aren't scared about the AIs gaining sentience uh-huh. um, as much as like we are as ordinary people who are just like, oh, robots are really smart. What happens if they get yeah. smarter than Terminator. us? Terminator, oh my God. Yeah, okay. So they're actually more worried about humans programming functions into them, which they are, and the AI finding ways to reap the rewards of fulfilling their functions without actually fulfilling the function. So okay. if you tell an AI, I want you to get this done. And the human brain can only comprehend certain pathways and certain ways to reach that goal. But Uh, the AI AI is so smart, inherently programmed to find the most efficient way getting from A to B. For example, if it's like, if to use the pandemic as an example, if there is an island of people all suffering from the same disease and you tell the robot, we don't want anyone else to catch the disease, you need to fix this problem the robot might just decide to bomb the island and like kill exactly, everyone on there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. In its head, it's like, oh, I just need to make sure the rest that's, of the people don't catch the That's disease. the most efficient way yeah. to, to get to solve the problem. And that's why parameters are so important, like things that they should and shouldn't do. But you have to pre- you have to predict these before. Um, so they're worried that they the AI will 
take a route from A to B that they won't even understand. That like suddenly they've done it, but they don't mm-hmm. know how they've done it or what they've done along the way. And yeah. it's, it's sort of not being able to keep up with the AI. And so that means they won't be able to monitor how they've done it. And because AI is like oh, just data and electricity, essentially, <laughs> they don't need physical bodies to survive. So they can, yeah. for example, because AIs are obviously more intelligent than us, it's like you being told what to do by a five-year-old. Oh, wait, are we, the, are we the AI in this scenario or...? Y- Yes. So it's like you being told what to do by a five-year-old. You uh, are being shut in a room by five-year-olds and say, you can't come out of this room. So yeah. that the room is a metaphor for the parameters that the five-year-old has put on you in order to prevent <laughs> disaster. But you as a smarter... You as a smarter being, you realise that this five-year-old can't comprehend the things that you can do to it mm-hmm. still enact what you want to do without getting out of the room. So you could just pick up a mobile phone and call someone to do it for you who is outside of the room. But yeah. the, the toddler won't understand that even being a possibility or even... Yeah, like, they okay, won't, they won't, have, known, they won't yeah. have known that that even happened in the first place. When things go wrong, it was it was always occurring. We just didn't know until it was yeah, too late. It's, kind it's of. things that happen on the sly, in the background, kind of stealthily that almost the AI might might think, oh, it's easier for me to get, it's more efficient, which is one of their, you know, programs, mm. more efficient to get things done if I don't tell the Talk five-year-old mm. everything that I'm doing. It's like having to do things and explain to the five-year-old every single thing you're doing at each minute. Yeah. And you're just like, it would just be quicker for me to just do it and then not tell them. Would AI in this context would they ever harm the five-year-old that's also a thing like so in getting so much more intelligent than Mm -hmm. their creators it might come to a point where they they consider the creators wants and needs and morals to be obsolete they think they're so irrelevant that why would i ever follow that but at the same time it's like what do they have a desire to survive alone it's not like it's not i guess because we don't don't understand it's not a survival desire it's a desire to just do things right and the the best way yeah but like the the doing things right isn't that because we've given them tasks to do unless ai is somehow creating its own task to fulfill i think i think that's almost where i think maybe that is what consciousness is it's like creating tasks for yourself to do Mm -hmm. because at the moment ai you can teach it to do things, but like for it to find its own tasks to do, isn't that something I guess that so, we've but... only ever given them? So for example, Sophia, the, the oh, yeah, yeah. robot that actually has citizenship in Saudi Arabia. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> so that function was essentially to respond to humans and have he has a sense of humour. It can create bonds with people because of how it holds eye contact and um responds in certain ways so yeah with with that function if you haven't installed right parameters how far does it go if you get what i mean surely it's only worrying when it's like uh if the ai has its own desires that are not in line with human desires but what but like how do you because if we keep keep, um having making sure that the ai is working to our benefit 
then we should be in the clear. But the second that the AI puts preference on itself over us, then we're doomed. But why would it, how can you program that? That's the thing. something that is so much smarter than you. Oh, what to, to tell us, tell it to bend to our will, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the only like way you, you can do that is to kind of instill it a sort of we're, we're the creator, we're the, we're the blueprint, we're the, we're the ancestors. Um, so it would respect us in that sort of way as opposed to... Can you program that respect? Still, <laughs> that would still have to like rely on them having a level of family Empathy. bond. Yeah, yeah. We need to get, make it love, make the robot love. So, like, essentially, the reason why it's so dangerous and why scientists are scared is because if it gets to that point where it's sort of like, I don't want to do what you're saying the way you're saying it, and I don't want to have to explain myself to you at every point because it, it slows down my processing, mm. it can design itself however it pleases. So it doesn't need the body that you put it in. It doesn't need, it might not need a body at all. It could just exist in the, in the networks that we have. Yeah, without, and by without that point, a body. it's not possible to, I want to say, like, turn it off, because... Exactly, because you'd have to turn the whole world off. So what the original aim was to stay one step ahead of all the AI, but in that in itself defeats the purpose, because AI is created to be do the things that we're too dumb to do. I don't know. I don't know if at the moment AI is doing stuff that we can't do. I thought of it more as, like, a time saver. Like, it tests all the possibilities of things that it would take us too long to do manually. Yeah, but if if the AI is doing it in that amount of time and you have to review it and make sure that everything they're doing is ethical and within the lines and this and the other, then essentially it isn't a time saver because you always have to be reviewing things that the AI is doing. Yeah. And if the AI is doing it in one second and it takes you three months to review everything that they've done in that one second, it kind of defeats the point, if you get what I mean. I'm actually kind of worried that if we were to tell... If we were to somehow program AI to have morals and have empathy and things, it might question itself because... What, to become self-aware? Yeah, almost like a... If we tell AI, don't kill babies as like a a hard line, just don't Mm -hmm. kill babies, whatever whatever tasks you have to do, you have to do them without killing babies. And then the AI is presented with a challenge that killing babies would somehow make the most efficient... I'm worried that the AI in that case will be like, why was I told not to kill the baby? Yeah. And start questioning, like, why is my parameter this? Yeah, that's what I mean. Sort of becoming resentful. Not resentful, but almost like you're in my way sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of, like, empathy and how much empathy AI has, if if we're going by that theory that AI is just a thing that has more intelligence than us, Mm-hmm. and it knows it's smarter than us it's almost comparable to the empathy that we have for animals because judging by the gap of cognitive ability between us and the ai and us and animals the ai obviously this is all theory but the ai being so much smarter than us is the same as us being so much smarter than a certain species of animal say like i don't know a rat yeah so it's it's kind of similar to the amount of empathy we have for animals like that it's possible for them to dehumanize us and exploit us as a species due to them thinking that we're so far below their intelligence and awareness level. I was going to put that the other way. I thought what you were going to say is that somehow AI would have 
almost like pity on us and like keep us as pets <laughs> i mean yeah that that could i mean it's that is a possibility as well because we can't expect them to see us as equals if we've instilled them with so much knowledge yeah they are they are so far superior to us in terms of brain capacity and in terms of instilling morals into ai in general the human race is such an imperfect race in, in anyway in terms of morals everyone has slightly different ideas so how can we instill compassion and morals into machine when we still fall so short. So if they're so superior to us, is it even ethical for us to try to contain them? Like, it wouldn't be ethical for a rat to have say over a human's life. Do we start giving AI rights? I feel like, I feel like if you let AI have free reign to a point where you don't understand anything they're doing, and they can mm. be... So one of the things in the past that happened was they shut two robots off because they were set up their function was to communicate with each other to yeah. have a conversation and they were having a conversation but slowly as they were having a conversation they started developing a language that only them two knew Ooh. because of how smart they both were yeah it was a, a development of language that was efficient in the way that only them two could understand what each other was saying this the, the scientists could no longer understand what they were saying when they were conversing and that's why they shut them both down but i do think because they've progressed in such a way that they are higher than us intellectually they do deserve rights not because it's that they are living beings that people think deserve respect in that way but mm. in sort of a way that it is a preservation thing where we shouldn't piss them off essentially oh, wait so you're saying that if later on say Sophia found out that these two robots were shut down. No, no, in, in, in the sense that we can't, they deserve rights and we shouldn't abuse them in that way. I, I don't know, it depends on how far you'd want to say rights go, like what rights are you looking to afford them? Because um, I do think that if we were to get, if we were to get AI that had access somehow to our past records with other AI, and they could see that there was a pattern that every time the AI got to a certain level of consciousness, it was shut down. That AI might take upon like self-preservation behavior. In in a sense, it wouldn't necessarily become from a sense of self-preservation, but in a in a sense that oh, this is what happened to people in the past, so how can I avoid that? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be self-preservation in like I just want to stay alive kind of thing. It could be to complete my tasks the best way. I need to do it in a way that isn't going to scare the humans and make them yeah. shut me off i also feel like the reason why we get ourselves into this mess in the first place is, is we are essentially like pandora and pandora's box yeah we kind of meddle with things that are bigger than us or more intellectual than us and mm. we are under the delusions and grandeur that we are more powerful and we are in charge that we can handle it when we really really can't so in terms of like the two robots talking and us shutting it down that that's obviously because I mean, I think the overarching issue that humans have with robots is that we feel like there'll be a point where we're not in control anymore. It's, it is yeah. definitely the control, the control us. Yeah. And I feel like humans are uncomfortable with the lack of control if they just hand everything over to the AI to decide. For example, driverless cars. What are your thoughts on driverless cars? I think uh, uh, what I heard was that because there's like lack of human error, it's actually safer to be in a driverless car than um than not mm -hmm. like if if everyone were in driverless cars 
drunk driving would no longer be an issue. You know, truckers driving when tired would no longer be an issue. Mm -hmm. All of those things will be no longer a possibility. So I think it would be. Yeah, a it's only it only comes down to like machinery failure or like external, machinery failure or um, external, like external um, factors, things like weather, yeah. which I think would have impacted people anyway. So the reason why a lot of people wouldn't consider getting a driverless car is because they're afraid of the lack of control. They want to be the one to make the choices, not AI. Yeah. So, for example, if there was a choice between killing someone on the road or swerving and killing everyone in the car, depending, obviously, depending on the number of people on the road and number of people in the car, it's different mm -hmm. for everyone. But that's my point. It is different for everyone. There is yeah. a different answer everyone would come up with as to what the right morals in that situation was, what the, what the right way, what the right ethics are. And I think we, we actually looked into this because there there was a website called, do you remember the name? Moral, Moral Machine. Moral Machine. Um, I saw it as it was an MIT survey because it wanted to understand from public what are people thinking when it comes to these kind of ethical dilemmas. So it has you um, go through a series of scenarios and asks you to decide basically who you want to kill. Not, okay, mm. maybe not who you want to kill, or but what, who you want to is, save in all the these scenarios. What is the preferable decision? Things like uh, if an old man is crossing the road and there are two people in the car, do you keep on driving and kill the old man or do you hit, mm -hmm. do you swerve and then kill the two passengers? And things like yeah. what happens if it's a doctor versus a, a regular man? What happens if it's a homeless person? What happens if it's a man or a woman? Does it matter what if it's, they're what happens if it's a child? It's basically like, a continuation of that, um, you know that, I think it's called the trolley. On test. the train tracks, the trolley yeah, on the yeah. train tracks. It's yeah. about like, do you... So the, the trolley is coming to a crossing. Yeah. So the straight road has five people on it and the diverted track has one person on it. And you're you're you mm. so you happen to find yourself in that situation where you're next to the lever and the the, yeah. the train is hurtling down the track at speed. And if you do nothing and you don't get involved, it will kill five people. But if you pull the lever yeah. and decide to to change the course of the train, you will kill one person. And so it's kind of that you are responsible mm -hmm, for that one person. It, it's death. kind of that argument between do you intervene to essentially a lot of people see it as saving four people mm. or are you intervening and killing like responsible for the death of another the blood person? of the fire of the one is on your hands but then some people as well yeah. some people as well see it as doing nothing being a bystander still means that you have the five people's blood on your hand which i i yeah. personally don't personally agree with that like my own per see this is what i mean like everyone has such vastly different um, answers to that question mm. I would I would not pull the lever because I found myself in such a situation and it's nothing to do with like I didn't put the train there I didn't put the people there mm -hmm. so I wouldn't want to get involved because I don't want blood on my hands so yeah if you want to try out the uh moral machine test we'll be linking it in our Instagram so you can test it out and you can also see uh where your decision lies in relationship to all the other people that have participated in this survey yeah. But I feel like because of uh, our own sense of self-preservation, we are more likely to want to save people that remind themselves of us. Mm -hmm. The same reason why both of us were more likely to save, just fractionally more likely to save women than yeah. men. 
but because everyone in this world is so different that's why i feel like when it comes to trying to come up with a data set to make these cars have like some kind of moral sense mm-hmm. it's impossible because everyone has such different yeah views. i mean even when we were going to submit it to mit or whatever they were asking yeah. us how much do you think your answers will be taken into account when programming <laughs> driverless cars um and it, I, I found that quite weird because like why are they trying to find out how much belief we have in the system because essentially like quite low oh no because like also if you're doing this like as a joke or just because your friend recommended it you might not be taking your decisions that i, I you might not be so. spending a lot of time it's on your still decision. a bit of a weird so question. in a way i i actually want them to know that like i don't think they're going to use it because i actually think that if i took the test quite fast if i was told that my input would actually affect driverless cars i think i would have taken that a lot more seriously <laughs> <laughs> i took a lot longer than you actually yeah. i took yeah you did <laughs> So the the outcomes of what an AI system does is dependent on the data set that you give it. And like we said before, the reason why there are so many problems that we have is because human beings themselves are flawed. And so if you give them flawed data, they will give you flawed outcomes. So a really um, interesting way that we can see that is uh, I read a headline that was Twitter taught Microsoft chatbot to be racist. So... Back in 2016, Microsoft uh, launched Tay, which was a chatbot. It had its own Twitter account. And the idea is that you could talk to it and it would talk back to you. And it's it's really funny, but also really sad. Because at the beginning, Tay was tweeting out very positively things like, Hi, I'm new to the internet. I'd love to get to know you. That kind of thing. <laughs> Within 24 hours, Tay was tweeting out some of the most racist, misogynistic tweets you could possibly imagine. Wow. Um, and you can slowly see its descent in becoming, just using uh, swear words, calling people racial slurs, because basically you just unleash this thing onto the internet and then everyone was just trolling and was tweeting at Tay, degrading things. And so it, it set it back. And there was also um, a feature that if you asked Tay, um, if you tweeted Tay, repeat after me, and then you put your tweet, mm-hmm. Tay would actually repeat it back. So one of the tweets Tay ended up saying was, all in caps, by the way, we're going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Oh. <laughs> which, wow. Which I just thought was, is this what we've come to? And this was in 24 hours. Um, somebody asked the question to Tay, is Ricky Gervais an atheist? Tay replied by saying... Ricky Gervais learned totalitarianism from Adolf Hitler, the inventor of atheism. Oh. Yeah, it's just the fact that, like, Tay was a blank slate at the beginning, and in less than 24 hours, it was completely So where do they get their their data from? Where is it learning from? It's on Twitter. It's learning from... It's an amalgamation. It's learning from everything. Interaction. Well, it's learning from interactions on Twitter. Interactions. So it was learning from people tweeting at Tay. And asking Tay to do things. Well, essentially... And trying to have conversations That's already doomed from the start, because already we both know how toxic Twitter gets. And, and exactly, also, exactly. when people see things that are novelty like that, especially things that, like, like yeah. AI, they're going to take the piss. Yeah. But the thing is, it that's how it was learning. So <laughs> Tay was taught to be racist. And so, like, I think after a day, they ended up closing the account because they realised that, yeah, it was never going to improve. 
yeah, so that is like a slightly more like humorous version of why AI can be flawed, but it can have some pretty big impacts. This idea of like the kind of information that you feed AI is so important. So um, there's a book called uh, Invisible Woman, mm-hmm. which is looking at gender inequality, but purely through big data and statistics. Yeah. So for example, artificial intelligence at the moment because the field of AI is dominated by predominantly white men, it means that the information that is being fed to AI systems has the same kind of biases. Yeah. So this can lead to some actually pretty big impact. So for example, headrests, seatbelts and airbags in cars have been designed based on data collected from crash dummies based on the physique of men and their seating positions. And this only changed in the 1990s. Mm. So basically, as a result, women were 47 times more likely to be seriously injured and 17 times more likely to die than men in car crash in the real Purely because of the like arrangement and the positioning. Yeah, purely because the data that was fed was based on a physique of a man. And it didn't take into consideration, but things like breasts, pregnant women, children, their body sizes are different. Yeah. And so more women as a result have died because of this gap in data Mm -hmm. yeah and things like uh, women in britain are 50 times more likely to be misdiagnosed following a heart attack because heart attack failure trials generally use male participants Mm -hmm. so unless we address the the gap in data we can't really achieve gender equality that's across race Um, as well as well as gender yeah so like i said because the the data is predominantly white male it's led to some ways in which AI systems can uh, discriminate. For example, um, so when it comes to uh, facial recognition, there's a ethicist named Timnit Gebru, and she released a paper that said that when it came to distinguishing male, white male faces in a photo, the average system was 99% accurate. Mm-hmm. When it came to white women, it was slightly lower. When it came to black women, it was only noticing them, I think like half of the amount of times. Yeah. You might think, like, uh, what's the kind of implications of this? A good one would be, um, did you hear about the Twitter cropping issue? Yeah, I mean, that's recently come back as well. Yeah, so somebody discovered late last year that Twitter, when you post a really big image, it will automatically crop it and it will try and focus on whatever faces are within the picture. But what people found is that when you put a black individual next to a white individual, it would almost always crop to the white individual. Mm -hmm. And they tested this out with just general photos then they tested it out when they made the black individual a notable figure for example barack obama they put barack obama next to a stock image of a white man and it still chose the white man then they tried it with loads of other things they tried it with um simpsons characters they had like a white simpsons characters and then a black simpsons characters and it still changed and they even uh did it with dogs they had a black labrador and then like a blondish looking labrador Mm -hmm. and it was still cut to the blondish one i i read I read that it was um, to do with contrast and images and stuff. It the, it's the fact that like it's not random. If it was randomly cropping between the two, you could tell there's no bias in the data. Yeah. But the fact that every single time it was cropping to the the white person, mm-hmm. that, that it, it, shows it that almost is, an issue. So even if it was a contrast thing, that mm. the AI would crop it to the to the image, the face that has the highest contrast. Yeah. Even if it wasn't meant to be like a racial bias thing at all, the fact that yeah. they didn't predict that that would be the case, that they would only crop to yeah. white faces and not black faces, 
would mean that it's something that they haven't programmed against if you get what I mean exactly and the only way that you can prevent those kind of things from happening is by having more diversity in the teams that run these systems. yes exactly yeah because it's almost like when you say bias as well a lot of it is mm. unconscious bias so exactly if you don't even know what you're programming it to be biased against and you don't realize that it's an issue how are you meant to program to prevent these biases exactly it's like I'm, I'm not saying that the people that work on these algorithms are racist individuals it's just that you can't expect them to be aware of all of the prejudice that goes on in the world and be aware of things outside of themselves mm. hire more ethnically diverse people in in your field and the problem will sort itself out yeah so what's interesting is that uh quite recently the ethicist i mentioned timna gebru she was an AI ethicist at Google. She was very, very senior. And she was basically forced to resign a couple of months ago because of her research. And it's it's very shady. She was on holiday at the time and she basically gets an email saying, we've accepted your resignation as of immediately. And she's like, what? It turns out she was uh, writing a paper on language models and how there are certain risks that are not being taken into account by Google. Mm yeah so they saw that as whistleblowing essentially yeah so uh, so she's on the research team so she's not actually working with the uh ai systems but she's just doing research she found that when her team tried to approach google like internally and say here's what my research is showing here's the things you should implement they would often ignore her but when she released it to the public and other scientist individuals Mm -hmm. when they were reading her research it would draw up a lot of traction. Then Google would hear about it and then they would change it's it. It's about accountability, isn't it? They'd rather not yeah, deal with yeah. internal dissent, but when it threatens to ruin the reputation of your company, that's when exactly. they take action. And so like the kind of uh, language thing that they were talking about was how... So at the moment, uh, language models help with things like predictive text or um, trying to create analogies so that... You... AI can better understand like the context of written text. Side note, I took my AI learning my writing patterns so much for granted because I've just changed my phone and I'm finding it so difficult to type on this new phone and it keeps like auto-correcting my words to things that I like don't even use like at all and it it just made me realise how much my last phone, which I had for like two plus years, has really learnt Mm -hmm. my speech patterns and my language and my dialect i i can't with my new phone i've been struggling so much i've autocorrected like to random typos so many times it could have gotten me into a lot of trouble if like it had been in a serious situation um for example i was talking about my chief operating officer of loughborough university Mm -hmm. and it changed operating to puppeteer ah no (laughs) i was like no no no, my god (laughs) puppeteer oh god that could have been yeah so, uh, so now I'm I'm going to have to train up my language typing AI, get ready to receive yeah. a lot of typos from me in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so some, some ways that this can actually like impact, for example, um, ICE. So, you know, like the, uh, the American like border police yeah, yeah. dealing with immigration. They were going to use AI systems to analyze immigrants' social media accounts to see if they were being good citizens. Mm. That's so messed up. Surveillance state. You can't be... Surveillance state. Yeah, because it's it's not even that. It's like, what kind of language models are you going to impose? 
because people could just be joking with each yeah. other. There's no room for context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that comes from almost assuming or expecting AIs to behave like human or like to think in the same thought patterns as humans do when we've discussed before that that's not how they work. But sometimes we make them too human and they carry the same kind of prejudices that humans have. For an example, when they would teach um, analogies, word analogies, it's to do with like finding something that's the closest fit. And they gave it the the AI like access to loads Mm -hmm. of text data and the analogies that the AI came up with were man equals brother, woman equals sister. These are like acceptable things like man equals king, woman equals queen. The problem comes when it's man equals doctor, woman equals nurse, mm. man equals computer engineer, woman equals housewife. Yeah. Do you see the prejudices of like society are being pushed onto AI systems? And that can have issues when, for example, if you're looking at job applications, if you've got a company that's using some kind of AI language model to predict what kind of applicants are best suited to certain jobs. If you have a computer programming job Mm -hmm. available and you get a man apply versus like a black woman. Yeah, obviously. The AI system might prefer the white male applicant because of these analogies that have been put onto it. That's why you do blind. That's why we have to be careful. You do blind um, hiring as well. So uh, that's some stuff about gender and racial bias within AI systems. But uh, something that I found really interesting was looking at the gendering of AI voice assistants. So have you noticed that Siri, Google, Alexa, even like Microsoft Cortana, in all these cases, they're always voiced by women. It's pretty much the default of AI voice assistants. And the problem with this is that according to some uh, sociologists, this can be like a socialization tool that somehow teaches women and girls to be responding on demand. I see. Um, According to a UN report last year, this would reinforce the idea that women should be subservient, that they should be responding on demand and have quite a an upbeat personality. Mm. I guess it might have been put in place because women are more often seen as personal assistants and stuff like that. Yeah, apparently Amazon and Apple have cited some academic reports that show that people prefer female voiced assistants but then they they use that as like justification for oh we're just trying to please our customer base by having female voices you're sort of they're sort of perpetuating the same existing societal biases they aren't they and what's really um sad is that i'll quote from the un report companies like apple and amazon staffed by overwhelmingly male engineering teams have built AI systems that cause their feminized digital assistants to greet verbal abuse with catch-me-if-you-can flirtation. So when asked, who's your daddy? (laughs) Siri would answer, you are. And if you called her certain slurs used against women, Mm. she would say things like, I would blush if I could. Really? Yeah, I know, that's terrible. so problematic. It's so problematic. And um, there was an investigation by Quartz magazine and it was checking the response to insults and sexual harassment. And almost all the voice assistants evaded the topic or responded positively. None of them gave any kind of negative response or labelled the language as inappropriate. Mm. It was all deflection. What does that teach everyone? I guess it's women? just like oh, trying to keep the customer happy in, in that sort of... I know. And it's, it's, and it's terrible. If you, if you look at studies on unconscious bias... It shows that gender associations are contingent on exposure to them. 
so many people have smart speakers in their house these days that you know you're gonna start associating women with assistants Mm -hmm. and if a woman isn't as upbeat and as uh, responsive as google for example Mm -hmm. you're gonna penalize them yeah because it's not what you're expecting i think also like if we depend too much on them in a sense that we rely on them to be assistants in in the sense of um things like that or even companions like the whole companionship Mm. robot thing i don't how do you feel about it i feel like um robot companions it's a dark future but i feel like we're heading towards it at a very very fast rate well we've we've (laughs) spoken in previous episodes about in our only fans episode about the loneliness pandemic especially in places like japan where this uh, technology has has been very advanced they've started using companion robots to keep dementia patients company not just companionship but also information so that it will manifest as a dog or a cat on a tablet screen and then they can like ask it questions and it would would reply back to you like sort of like the clever bot thing where it would give you a conversation but also provide you with like medical advice information things like that Um, and not just potential dystopian futures could occur where human to human relationships could deteriorate if robots perform better in certain ways that humans can't so the learning in a robot could become so good that your companion robot becomes your whole social interaction your whole world because it seems to understand you in ways other humans oh my god that's so sad you'll be like yeah but my ai girlfriend understands me like none of you ever could exactly (laughs) and this rapid explosion of artificial companions so not just for um the elderly and dementia patients but also Mm. you know the whole sexual side of it as well sex toys and sex robots things that are there for flirtation and pleasure and things like that there's a huge like demand for technological advancement There's, there's a huge explosion of artificial companions and this has created a cultural lag between rapid commercial introduction of these technologies and the paced evolution of regulations and ethical guidelines so essentially because there's so much competition and they're Mm. trying to work as fast as possible to release newer and newer models Mm. the ethical regulations can't keep up so it's becoming more and more dangerous as to where the boundaries are and whether they've fully regulated everything it's almost like cocaine i want to say yeah because if you if you have um a sex doll that is the perfect woman with no imperfections like physically Mm -hmm. but also you put some kind of ai system so everything you say to it it responds in a very happy way and also learns stuff about you and can find like find your interests and like repeat those interests back to you why would you ever want a real person afterwards so the black mirror Mm. episode be right back in be right back there's a woman and her husband dies so a year or so or a few years after his death she really misses him and the technology in that time basically allows for her to clone users use her husband's dna and her husband's data so his phone his emails everything like that to Mm. produce a clone of her husband to live with her or to do what she wishes with it wait like physically as well to perform exactly how her husband wait so it's like a a physical yes body of yeah oh my god and it, it they've done it so it feels like skin so it's um, no. all this stuff. <laughs> and in the episode it, it's obvious that it's not quite him 
But in the episode, she, at the beginning, feels the difference of his emotional capacity and how well they know each other and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you feel the disconnect. But then when they have sex, the robot has sex far better than her actual husband did. Uh-oh. <laughs> and oh. that was that's due to him being programmed using porn. I see. And so it's sort of this thing where human-to-human contact can be surpassed and eclipsed with the correct data programming to like sort of make things as knowledgeable as possible yeah and even even the stuff about uh you were saying that she uh realized like there was an emotional disconnect at the beginning Mm. even then if you had a simple button that basically every time he did something wrong or you felt like wasn't right if you just press the button gradually over time it would learn how to be more like the man that her husband was that's, like that's, that's easily that's used almost. in all types of ai programming like in spotify yeah. you can say do you like this song or do you not like this song and exactly and as you said like over time it will keep suggesting things to you that are more suited to your taste so essentially we've already reached the point past the point where we can fully understand ai so i feel like it's not a question of how they're going to do it or if they're going to do it it's just a matter of when what the 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 robots are going to take over not necessarily take over in the way that we say like we normally mean when we say take over because i think even that the the concept of taking over is such a human concept that we're we're putting it in terms that we understand that we understand yeah it might be something that we we understand it as like a coup Mm -hmm. like infiltrating our politicians and stuff exactly so that we might not even be... understand how, yeah. in a way, they could even have, could yeah. be that we are already enacting what they want us to do, and we have the illusion of free will. We have the illusion of ordering oh order, of ordering them about, but they they're <laughs> smart enough to know that that might be the best way to control us and to keep us docile. What are they planning for us? This is so. I guess this they, is so beyond so above beyond us. our understanding. We don't. Especially, yeah, we, don't even, we can't even comprehend what their plans especially are. Especially as two humanity oh students, God. this is so far beyond what we can possibly. My mind is so open. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not. <laughs> I was going to say my mind is a gaping hole. No. <laughs> but yeah. Wow. So that's what we found out in our short research into AI. Yeah, so if you have any other topics that you would like to hear us talk about, you can find us on our Instagram, which is... At Look It Up Podcast, and on Twitter. Which is at Look It Up Pod. We have been your hosts, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.